This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Ooh, I love that sound. This is a good one. Welcome, everybody, to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast. I'm Dale Luganbill. Thank you very much for joining me. I know we've been hit and miss here on the uh, podcast. It's fall. It's super busy. Um, haven't had much for, you know, the Waterfall Wednesdays have been hit and miss. That's because Nick is guiding up in Canada. And, uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's doing the guiding thing, and then he has to scout. So finding time to sit down and do a Waterfall Wednesday has been Difficult, but not impossible. We try to get them uh, when when we can. Um, so we will continue to do that, and hopefully, eventually, get back on track here on a regular regular scheduled programming. Uh, but for right now, let's uh, try to get you caught up here with a recap and rant. So we got to go back a couple weekends. I uh, had the last two events for uh, Loon State Bassmasters here in Minnesota. Going into the weekend, um, I was in adding up the points, not including our throwaway. So just for a quick recap, we fish six events. You score five. So you have a throwaway whether you can't make one or you do shitty. Um, you can you have a throwaway. So we score five events. So going into this event, I had my very first event of the year. I did <laughs> absolute dog shit. Um, I think it was like second or third to last or something like that. It was not good. Not good at all. So right for, as the season starts, I'm like, well, this is probably my throwaway, or at least it had better be. And 
And then, uh, and that was on Blue Lake. And then the next lake was green. And then actually ended up winning that lake. So super shitty and then win. It's like, okay, let's just have a yo-yo of emotions going here. And then the next two events, uh, later we had uh, two events at Lahamadu, which is the same waters that the state tournament was on. Um, I did like middle of the road, day one, just like mid-pack somewhere, not great, not terrible. I was kind of using it as a you know built-in scouting, pre-fishing mission for the state tournament, which that's what I just said, the waters, the state tournament waters were there. And uh, just kind of was trying to force an offshore thing that just wasn't happening. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really, a lot of cookie cutter sized fish in that lake. Never did kind of crack the code and find that next class of fish. In the process of that, my trolling motor took a shit and that crapped out on me. So, the next day, which would have been our event number four, was supposed to be really windy. It's high winds from the south, and I don't have a trolling motor. Like, well, this is just great. <laughs> so not feeling super confident. I'm like, well, I'm just going to go explore some stuff. There's a, Lahamadu is a huge chain of lakes. I'm going to go in to, you know, I'm just going to go as far south as I can, and then I'll just fish there. You know, I, I used a, an anchor. There's another Dale in our club, Youngquist, who was, he had an anchor that he let me use for the day so I could at least, you know, maybe deploy that and kind of have some semblance of boat control. And so that's what I did. I just, I, I went, I stopped at a couple places along the way and, and fished, caught a couple little dinkers, nothing crazy. Kept going, got all the way down to the end of this lake. Um, and I've recapped this before, so I'm going to give you the real abridged version. And I ended up going all the way down there like literally as far as you can go. Like there's no more channels to go through, nothing. This is as far as it goes. And uh, was fishing some really good-looking lily pads and stuff, wasn't catching anything, found two clumps of weeds, pitched it in there, caught some really good fish out of it, um, spent the whole day in there, was able to put together a decent bag, came back and actually won. It was like, I don't know, it was 15 pounds or something like that. So... Another emotional roller coaster, and like I almost didn't fish that day. Like I was so frustrated with my trolling motor not working, and just feeling very defeated. Um, but I was like, no, you got to at least put the boat in the water to get the points. Because last year I missed a couple because I don't know how to schedule, <laughs> and just had no shot basically at for the angler of the year race because just took two zeros. At least if I'd have had some points it's it's just something it's something um so i'm like well let's just put it in and fish and i fished and what happened what happened so going into this weekend the last two events uh adding up the points for the aoi race i was in second place that's not counting a throwaway so uh, having won two events definitely helped in those two events i had big fish on both so i get an extra five points for that so that definitely helped but i had that really shitty almost dead last finish the first event that's really hindering me so was, i'm like okay as long as i don't do worse than that which is like should basically be impossible i mean i feel like worst case i would like tie that you know but 
anything's possible in fishing. Like, I can't get overconfident. <clears throat> so I'm like, I just need to fish well. I need to just, like, if I can, I was like, if I can stay in the top probably three, I might actually pull this thing out. Because um, I'll, then I'll throw away that first one for sure. And then with, you know, the big fish, big fish extra points that I got, man, that, you think that would do it. So our first lake was Farm Island. Uh, I, I have not been on that lake all year. Uh, have fished tournaments there in the past, so I had, you know, a baseline understanding of how the lake sets up. Usually fish is pretty shallow. And uh, so, yeah, we head up there, and I start fishing some stuff. And the lake has smallmouth in it. Now, the season for smallmouth has been closed. So even if we caught a giant, I wouldn't be able to weigh it anyways. But I've never caught a smallmouth in that lake. <laughs> the No, the first fish I caught was a little largemouth. Um, but then I ended up catching like four or five, six smallmouth, like immediately after that. It's like, dude, where were these things when you want to catch them? Now, they weren't very big. Chances are I wouldn't have weighed them in anyways, but it was still kind of crazy that there was uh, – sometimes you just got to not try, right? And then, then you then you catch fish. But So I kind of worked around and uh, was checking some of this really shallow stuff, and I was like casting a swim jig over like one or two foot shallow or deep whatever you're gonna call it sand flat just seeing you know what's there kind of some transitions and when kind of the sand would kind of transition to rock or weeds i would get some bites there and i missed i missed a good one well i didn't really get a great look at it um it looked decent i mean not like jaw droppingly huge but like you know on quality fish and so i cast back in there a bunch of times didn't didn't get it continued to move on um continue to put some fish in the box some little ones I'm like boy i hope to call these things out of there and then there's you know again really shallow there's like this overhanging tree it's barely in the water but i've just i've done it so many times that and i was already right there it's not like i had to go crazy out of my way and it's like you're looking at this thing and the water's clear and you feel like you can see under it and around it you're like there's no life there but you just cast up in there anyways sure as shit thump set the hook and it's a nice one you know i like three pounder or something like i was like holy crap so I put that one in the box pretty stoked uh, he was living all by himself found this isolated rock that had some weeds around it i'm like oh yeah this place is money Pfft, nothing couldn't get a bite off that rock i was like that doesn't even make any sense because there was nothing this branch that was in the water or this tree or whatever it was there was nothing else around it like it was bare sand like it was one would think like there's no reason for a fish to live there other than that's probably where that fish has always lived and because it seems like such a nothing target that fish has probably been left alone like its whole life for all season you know it's like why would you even go in that area cuz I'm I do shit like that and it paid off this time um but i would say you know like i said it doesn't happen every time but I don't know. I don't know what you would say. Like um, three out of seven times, maybe it would. It pans out. Maybe not even that. You know, one out of ten times, it it pans out. But the the thing is that when that kind of a spot does pay out, and you do find a fish on it, it's almost always a good one. It's almost always a a, a quality fish. It's rarely ever just a little dinker. So that's why it's worth just like if you're already close, like dipping your nose in there and throwing a couple casts at it. So I work this other spine, didn't really catch anything there. Like, I wasn't catching a lot, 
you know, as I'm trying to put this pattern together. And then, so I'm like, all right, well, in the past, I've always found some fish in the, the reeds, and there's a lot of reeds on this this lake. And so I rush over and I start fishing some reeds and pitching in there. I'm picking up a couple little ones. Nothing crazy. Like, I'm not lighting them up by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm, I'm you know, I'm catching fish on a somewhat regular basis. It's, it's going okay. I'm not in, like, panic mode or anything like that. <clears throat> but they're decent-sized, and... You know, what usually goes on in my head in these things. Like, well, if I'm getting these, you know, better bites, and everybody is, because I don't feel I'm doing anything special outside of that really crazy shallow spot, like pitching the reeds. I'm like, okay, if the fish are in these reeds, and I can see other boats fishing the reeds, I'm like, everybody's getting these fish. I need to find that next echelon. I need to find that next size up. I need fours and fives. These, like, two and three quarter threes, and they're just not cutting it. But... You know, I try some deeper weed lines. That's just not, and that's been my experience on that lake. And I know you shouldn't fish the pass, blah blah blah. But man, I have tried to force that deep weed bite on on that lake before, and it just, and it just doesn't happen. And the fact that I pulled that one quality fish off the super super shallow stuff, I'm like, that kind of gave me the confidence to just like, just don't even, just don't even worry about the deep stuff. Like, just you, if there was one big fish shallow, there's gonna be more. And so I ran around, tried some stuff. I ran to this uh, shallow lily pad field, and that was nothing. The weeds were kind of scuzzy back there. So, yeah, you know, it's fall here. The water temperatures are cooling down. Weeds are dying off. And that's kind of one thing I do look for this time of year on any given lake if I go there is, is find where the, the live weeds are. It's always a good place to start. Um, but, yeah, the weeds back there were just, they were god-awful. So I, I, I boogied out of there, went back to the back to the reeds and just kept, punching around and uh one thing i don't know if i'd call it a pattern but something that i did note where i was getting more of my bites was kind of where I, I didn't really expect it like there'd be these reed patches that were really thick and had some green weeds on the outside like thick weed cabbage and stuff on the outsides of them they actually kind of mixed in in general i like that that's like the more diverse the more weed diversity you have kind of the better um, but that wasn't what I found. They, I seemed to be getting more of my bites where the reeds were more sparse. So I kind of started dialing that in. Like, okay, let's spend more time. Like, I still pitch the thick stuff because it's just, I don't know, your brain's like, this is where a fish should live. Um, but I, and maybe I fished it. Maybe they were there and I fished it too fast. But at that, as the day was winding on, I'm like, I'm going to spend more time on these higher percentage spots. And uh, so, yeah, I caught um, a few nice ones in there and then went back and kind of was going to run some of my, the, where I started those super shallow spots again. That tree never produced again, so I'm guessing that was just like the one fish that lives there. I hit that one rock that looks really good like three or four times and never did pull a fish off it. And, and even now, I was saying that, I'm like, that's just, that's crazy to me. That is just looks like a place you would design a fish to be. Like if he was if there was a fish on that stupid tree, there for sure should be a fish on this rock. But and maybe somebody else caught one off there. I don't know. But when I fished it, nothing. But there was a one spot when I had first started where I saw that one quality fish. I'm like, well, let's see if we can't get some action off that. So I go back in there and I'm, I'm throwing a swig a swim jig and 
you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is about where I had the boat position. This is like the exact same cast. It was right around here where I had that strike. Whomp, whack. And he smacks it. Now, was it the same fish? There's no real way to tell, but it was a nice fish. So I got that one in. That one, actually, I was able to call some of the, I had like two little ones in there that I really wanted to call out and was able to do that. And that one helped. And that was pretty close to the end of the day. I think I had probably another half hour, 45 minutes to fish. And so I kind of ran around trying to try some other super shallow spots that I that I hadn't tried yet. They didn't pan out. Um, I don't think I caught another fish yet for the rest of the day. And then so yeah, we head back to the weigh-in and we'll see how we do. You know, I'm looking at my live well. I'm like, well, this isn't terrible, but you know, I got they're all kind of the same size. I got one that's a little bit better than the rest. Um, we'll see. And again, you know, I'm like, if those reeds are. I'm expecting good bags because if the reeds are producing, man, everybody's catching fish. So we go to weigh in and, you know, you start talking to people and you hear that some people are frustrated and a couple guys found them. And, uh, you know, Dana found some really good fish. This is like her first year as a, as a boater. Um, she had a pretty solid bag. Um, I think Cody had a pretty, was it Cody? I think it was Cody that had a pretty good bag. And it was Adam who was who I was chasing. Adam was leading. He was in first place. Um, and so, yeah, we put the the um, fish on the scales. And so one thing I, I did that I almost never do is weigh my fish. I didn't weigh all of them. You know, when I'm in, like, usually I use a cull beam just to, like, I don't need to know what they weigh. I just need to know which one's heavier when I'm calling fish. I don't, it doesn't really matter. And gravity doesn't lie in digital scales. You know, if the fish jumps or does whatever, sometimes you can't get a great reading. And if they're super close, you know, you might end up, calling the wrong one announcer to the wrong way so throw that one uh i'm like well let's just i wonder what i have my bag so i just i weigh kind of what i think is my smallest fish and everything from one like two through five in my bag is like they're like the exact same size almost my smallest fish was like 301 or 31 so right at three pounds it's like oh that's not a bad average i got over 15 at least and then uh, I weighed my biggest one, and that one went over four. So I was like, all right. So I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, I think I have 16. You know, that'll be, that should be, that should be right up there where I wanted to be. Like, I don't know that this is enough to win it, but it's going to put me in the top, and that'll give me good points. Like, this is where I want to be. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. And put them on the scales, and um, I ended up having 17 and change. And uh, that was. That was enough for first place. So I was like, oh, all right. Like, that was that worked out really, really well. And uh, Dana had a really good finish. I think she came in uh, third place. I'm going through my phone right now. I'm going to try to find the scoreboard here so we can, we can stop talking in, in generalities here and, and have legit uh, data for you. And I'm not sure why I'm not able to find it. Here it is. I found it. Okay. So I ended up with uh, 17.24, 428 was my big fish. And then, let's see who came in second. Yeah, it was Cody. He had 14.22 with the 3.6 fish. And then Dana had 13.72. So she had a pretty nice bag too. And they kind of just like trickled down from there. There's a 12-pound bag in there, a couple 12-pound bags, so not bad. Um at 13 yeah so anyways so not bad like i was like all right well that 
I mean, now I'm feeling pretty good about AOI. I'm like, if I could throw that throwaway in there, I mean, even if I finish, like, middle of the pack tomorrow on Sturgeon, I'm going to have a shot at this, depending on how Adam does. Because um, i I got to be right there. If I've, I've won three now, three out of five, like, and the other two victories are by two different people. So that, that's putting me in a good position. I got another big fish. I got another extra five points. I'm looking pretty good. So Sturgeon, I have fished like a few times this year and I have history on that lake too. It's a dink fest and they're all cookie cutters, but there is a, there is an upper echelon population of fish there, but they're super hard to find. And and all the times that I went up there throughout the summer fishing it here, there, I never found it, never cracked the code. Um, so I just went to the last time I had been there was like a week or so before the event and I'd, I had found more fish on this just like mid-depth weed flat throwing a swim jig through there. So I was like, well, that's kind of what I'm going to try to do um, and just see. Actually, where I started was a real shallow sand flat thinking, because if you look on the the, the map of Minnesota, Sturgeon Lake and Farm Island Lake are almost the exact same latitude. Straight across, so I was like, "Well, if it worked over there, maybe that pattern works over here. Worth a shot." So I take off and I go to this sand flat and I start casting around swim jig, and I'm getting hit, but I'm getting these little ones right to the point I need to break out the bump board to make sure they're illegal. But I, I get my five, and I, I mean, within 15 minutes, I had five fish. I, but they're all like, I don't know, but I had like five fish for about four and a half pounds like <laughs> these things were tiny i was like Ugh, this isn't good uh, so i fished that for a while and then i went to that weed flat and uh that wasn't really going i picked up a couple fish maybe i upgraded slightly i don't really remember um but it wasn't going like it was a week and a half or so ago and that's pretty normal too like this time of year is fall every you know temperatures start to go down weeds are dying like the pattern changes pretty much every day so i wasn't super shocked that that pattern wasn't holding up anymore now in the past i've always found really good fish deep so i'm like well i mean they were super shallow the day before basically at the same latitude um but there's not much super shallow good stuff on this lake it's kind of it's a it's a weird lake the way it sets up um i even tried some like lily pads like way back in this swampy bay and i got I got hit by something back in there, but it wasn't anything to, like, raise eyebrows about. I didn't end up catching it, so it doesn't matter. It could have been a pike or a dogfish, for that matter. Um, so I boogied out of there. And so I went and started scanning. I kind of just was like, okay, let's run around these deep weeds. There's bluegills out here. That's always usually a good sign. And so I start, I'm upgrading slightly. I'm getting these, like, pound and a half or pound and three quarters. You know, nothing, nothing great. You kind of want, I was thinking, like, you know, if I could get an average of two pounders, if I can come in with 10 pounds, right, that's going to like, again, that's going to put me upper side of middle of the pack, I think, right? Probably not going to win this one. Just like get me, I just need to stay up towards the top, give myself a fighting chance for AOI here. And so that's what I, I did. And I started, you know, picking up. So I started finding out like deeper i wasn't finding those giants i'm not finding that next class of fish but they were slightly bigger than when i was catching shallower so i was making some you know small incremental upgrades going like i said from a um 
you know, pound and a half fish to like a right at two pound kind of a thing. And, um, just kept fishing that and then pushed off just a little deeper, like got off of the weed line because as I was scanning around, I started to see just some smaller pods of, of bluegills running around out there. And then you would see a couple bigger marks. I'm like, those could be bass. They could be walleye. I don't really know. Like I don't have the fancy equipment. Like I'm talking, I'm looking on my little, my, my, uh, hummingbird seven, right. It's just side imaging, down imaging chirp. You know, I don't, it's not 360. It's not live scope. It's not forward facing sonar of any kind. Just my little seven inch screen, just doing some side scanning and then just straight down, you know, sonar stuff. And, uh, I'm like, well, there's some fish out here. Let's try that. And so I throw a jig and I get bit and it's, you know, slightly, again, I'm not, they're not hogs. Right. But they're, at least they're better than I was catching. And, um, so I was doing that and early, you know, on deep cranking, I was, I kind of that 16, 17 foot range. Um, I was picking up a couple fish doing that again, nothing crazy, just that like <laughs> slightly better than what I had been catching. So as the day went, I caught a lot of fish and I was able to, you know, get to that kind of goal of like two pound average. It's like, all right, well, I'm, I'm not shitting the bed on this event. I should be okay. And I was pretty calm. I was like, I was pretty relaxed this event. Cause I was like, even without this one, again, as long as I didn't just totally fuck it up, I should be sitting pretty good for AOI. should be right there, depending on how other people do. You know, it was doing as much as I could do at this point. And uh, I listened to the Vikings game at the same time. And uh, so anyways, I got, uh, not that that has anything to do with anything. I was just saying I was fishing pretty relaxed. Um, still wish I could have found that upper echelon fish. That I, I just... I know they're in there. I just, man, I just couldn't find them. And, uh, yeah, so we head back to the, to the ramp, ready to see somebody crack the code. You know, and, of course, the whole time you're out there, you're watching other boats. And I'm seeing these boats in really shallow, up against some reeds, because there's reeds on this lake, too, which I, in the past I've never done that great. But the whole time I'm seeing some boats spend some quality time in there, and I'm like, shit, are they on something? Did they find Should I? am I wasting my time out here in this deep water? And I just like, I stuck to my game plan for better, for worse. And just like, ah, God, I just don't know. And, um, I guess we'll find out, you know? So we head back to the scales and, uh, nobody's really bringing anything great. And everybody's kind of like, dude, that was a, that was a tough day. The wind kicked up The wind it got real windy. So it was really hard for me for boat control. Cause I don't have spot lock or anything like that. And uh, would have really liked it on some of those deep spots, let me tell you. Because the whole time I'm fighting with my trolling more than that wind to try to stay where I want and make a cast at a small target. It's it's a challenge, let me tell you. And so, weigh them all out. I don't really think much of it because um, I got right about 10 pounds. And um, I think, now see, i got to go back to... Finding that uh, other scoreboard here. There we go. Got it. So let's put it this way. Big, I did not catch big fish of the day. Cody had the big fish of the day. And his big fish was 2.34. <laughs> That's the kind of day it was for everybody. <laughs> it was it was a tough day. Um, before I'd kind of said like 11 or, or 12 pounds would probably win it just because, I mean, I it's definitely possible to get 15, 16, 17. I've even heard of 20-pound bags coming out of this lake, but it has not fished like that for me, so I just was not 
confident that any big bags like that would come in and that was that was the case and so you know i saw cody's bag he had you know that same kind of his bag looked very similar to mine so i'm like okay i'm gonna be right in that range and he had 8.9 pounds so i'm like well i'm right there i'm probably like just under eight or you know i'm dude i'm i was like i'm really close to you i'm real like right at eight maybe i think is what i have because my big fish was two 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 point two two um but apparently all of my fish were right there at that two pounds because i weighed in 10.08 and believe it or not ladies and gentlemen that was good enough for first place (laughs) i cannot believe 10 pounds won an event like that is crazy but an event where big fish is 2.34 you can kind of see what i was saying like i just haven't been able to find that upper echelon fish and apparently nobody has found that upper echelon fish now however after the fact after posting this stuff on social media i've had people comment on there like oh there are some good ones in there there was a tournament out there this year that weighed in 18 or 20 pound whatever it was he's like they're in there i'm like even said there was smallmouth in there and i have never ever caught a smallmouth in that lake not saying he's lying i'm just saying like i had no idea they were in there i've never heard of anybody catching one so i mean anything's possible there's not supposed to be muskies in that lake either but i'm 98 percent sure i hooked into a big muskie one time because i actually saw it like it ran past the boat and it did not look like a big northern it looked like a big muskie but it does not list muskies on the survey to be in that lake but it is possible because there is a lake right across the freeway that does have muskies in it the sand lake has it so i mean who's to say right maybe there was one random one in there actually ended up hooking it never got it back to the boat thing took off ran broke my line or hook came out i don't remember what happened but um anyways back on track so i mean that was it right there i wrapped it up like that that was my hope was to just finish well in these last two events to give myself a chance and somehow ended up winning both of them. So that gives me four wins out of six events, five that scored. Yeah, I think you can safely say that that I, I just wrapped up my very first Angler of the Year award in my entire life for anything. So I was pretty stoked about that. And, and then, you know, and humbly speaking, like, I go into these events like – yeah, I want to do well. I try, I try to put in the work. I try to be smart. I try, you know, um, but I just respect these other anglers so much. And I always, you know, they accuse me of sandbagging all the time. Because I go to the weight, and I'm like, ah, I did okay. You know, and then I put my weight up. And it's almost always way more than I think I have. Uh, and I've just never been that stereotypical fisherman, right? I don't, if, if I tell you I caught a three-pound fish, it's a three-pound fish. If not, I mean, it might be more, but I'm going to say it's a three-pound fish. I'm not your stereotypical that holds up a two-and-a-half-pounder. It's like, look at this five-pounder. You know, it's not that, you know, the meme fisherman that just over-exaggerates his fish. Like, no, dude, my fish are what my fish are. Like, I don't need – like, you're not impressing anybody by blowing up your stats, right? Like, just how big was it? Just tell me how big it was. You're not impressing me. Um, So I just – I never wanted to be that guy. Maybe I'm I trying not to be that guy to a fault almost, but you know, it is, it is what it is. Um, 
super happy, super thankful that I that I pulled this off. I don't know that it actually is fully sink in or will sink in until we have like our award ceremony and I kind of I get it and they hand me five or four lake name tabs to add to my little my little trophy thing because we have in our club we have this little like wooden cut out of a bass and then when you win a lake you get a little like sticky um, brass looking tag that has the the lake name on it and then you add that to your fish so I, I get to add four of those to my fish or to my yeah to my fish it's gonna be awesome I'm pretty stoked about that um, and I'm pretty sure, yeah and so then that's that 17 pound bag that I got on um, Farm Island that will that we put a side pot in in the beginning of the year for a big bag of the year so I'll win that there's a little bit of cash involved in that so that'll be cool um, it's just a, like I don't know, like I said, I don't think it's fully settled in yet. Not like I've won, like, I don't want to over-sell this. Like, this isn't the Bassmaster Classic, all right? Like, this isn't a life-changing event. But it is 100% a goal that I set out to achieve, and and I did it. And part of that has to do with, you know, there's been so much controversy around. You would go on these social media boards and whatnot, and the stuff about you know, so uh, forward-facing sonar, and it's not fair, and it's not it's not this, it's not that. That one musky team, like they won one, and then they end up like mid-season banning forward-facing sonar for tournaments. And it's like, what about the other one? Like we lost while having, you know, it's like, and I agree. Like I don't think they should ban it. Um, I don't have any of that stuff. Like I don't have spot lock. I don't have fancy electronics. I probably legitimately have at least tied for like the least technologically advanced boat in our club and I was able to win four of six so I mean sure some of that comes down to uh, luck of the draw as far as these lakes weren't fishing deep you know most of them were fishing shallow but it was a deeper bite on sturgeon and I had to fight way you know I had to do boat control I did all that and was able to to catch, you know, upgrade to that like two pound average instead of a one pound average or one and a half pound average or whatever. So, I mean, it can be done. So for anybody out there that doesn't have all the tools, don't let that get, get you down. I don't remember his name, but there's a pro there that doesn't even have like electronics on the front of his boat because he doesn't ever fish deeper than like seven feet. Like he's just known for pounding the shit he's gonna win it or lose it in those shallows and when it comes to bass a lot of times that is the case um so don't beat yourself up that you don't have the latest and greatest right now with that said do not misunderstand me i would love to have all the latest and greatest i would love to have 360 i would love to have spot lock in fact that is like that's what I'm working towards. Hopefully next year. I wanted that this year. It didn't happen. Hopefully next year I will be able to get an Ultrex. What I really want to happen, and I was hoping to see it come out in ICAST this year, and it didn't, but I'm waiting for Minn Kota to come out with a brushless motor so that that will be the latest and greatest thing. So everybody will sell their Ultrex to go get the new whatever they call it and then i can get a used ultrex for a decent price because they're still crazy expensive right now and they're pretty hard to find um not impossible you can find them but you got to have cash on hand ready to rock and roll and i just i don't have that three thousand dollars just laying around so 
I mean, uh, I could start a GoFundMe, you know, if you guys want to help a brother out, you know, throw a... Throw my Venmo in the show notes. No, I'm not gonna do that. But <laughs> that would be that would be nice. Uh, uh, that's out of any of the technology. That's what I want more than anything is is that spot lock. So that kind of ca- catches you up on fishing wise. Um, we had the goose opener in there. Um, we did some goose hunting. Um, I think I already recapped that. You know, I got testing out. He actually shot his first band. That was super cool. Um, we just set up. That was on a traffic day. You know, we just set up in a green field. Probably never had a goose in it. Uh, set out a shit ton of decoys. And when we'd see some high flyers, you just start screaming at them and actually able to bring these things down. It's so much fun when you do that. But picking up where I left off last year, having a hard time finding anything else good, you know, getting permission on stuff. Or there really just isn't much for crops coming out yet. Now they're starting to come out. Some silage corn is being cut and, and stuff like that. But just where I usually hunt, there's just there's not much going. And um, so the other day I decided to go back into this public land spot that I've gone to in the past, and it's a shit ton of work. Now in the past there was one – and. I don't know, because I'm a glutton for punishment, I usually go past the first spot. And there's actually a pretty good-sized pond right there that's easy to get to. But I never hunt that one. I always want to go way back in the shit where I found this thing on satellite map and you hike. It's like two miles the crow flies. It's a mo- it's like monster pain in the dick to get back there. But when you're back there, it's just so... Uh, it's just awesome. It's cool. Now, this other pond was... I remember um, hunting it once, not really getting anything, but it's it's boggy but it's it's deeper like i remember being like real close to the top of my waders like boy if i step in like a, a beaver run or something <laughs> i'm gonna fill these things up like it's right there so i'm like i want to bring in the kayak this time so that's what we did so my buddy mike and i we head out there take my truck down this goat trail that probably shouldn't take an actual full-size truck down but did anyways um Get back in there. He's He's got decoys over his shoulders. I'm dragging the canoe. I got decoys in the canoe. It's like, and I'm right where I think this lake should be, it's like there's not there. I'm like, now, I know it's been quite a few years since I've been back in here, but I'm like, God, am I misremembering it? It's got to be right here. So I kind of pull up the, the satellite, and I see a lake. I'm like, oh, it's just up ahead. So we push on to the next one, and we get close to it. It's just such, uh, it's just such a pain in the butt to get there. Um, I, I revisit the map and I'm like, this isn't it. This is, this is one of the further ones. Like, cause I can tell like, this is where the trail starts to turn. It's like, I know that one is there. And I'm thinking back in my mind's eye and I'm just like, you know what? The one that I wanted to hunt just filled in. Like, I think it just, I think it just got covered with bog. I think bog grew over it. It's just like that big patch of open water is just not there anymore. It's like, oh, crap. So anyways, we set up there and um we're not seeing much like it's just like there's a lot of cranes in the area sandhill cranes and we're not even seeing many of those like there's just not much flying around um we take a couple shots at some teal um and miss and so we just grind it out but it was just a really cool chill hunt we ended up killing three teal and one wood duck um what's funny is i'm we're coming back you know we're done or gonna do all the work to get that shit back to the truck we're doing that and all of a sudden i hear these wheelers coming up the trail and they're coming back and they're cleaning up trails getting ready for deer hunt in november like they're doing the work now you know 
and he's like, oh my God, I can't believe you brought a truck back here, this, that, and the other thing. So we're, we're seeing, we're, we're there and I'm pulling, well, I, I'm like, so Mike was pulling the, instead of dragging down the trail, there's like a big drainage ditch right there. And he's like, this might be easier. So he put it in the drainage ditch and it was easier, but then got kind of hard because the beavers had put some dams across it. So we had to kind of go up and then like, they weren't huge. Like, don't think like these giant dams, but it's still, it's like in the back, if anybody's ever done that on the back side of these um, dams, it's always really muck because we're a bunch of sediment will settle right there and it gets really mucky but once you get over it, it gets back to nice hard bottom blah 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 so he's doing that and i'm like all right well i'm gonna i'm gonna race these decoys back to the truck and i'll come back and help you with the, the kayak and so that's what i did and as i'm coming back and i'm talking to the guys on the four-wheeler we're sitting there we're pretty close to the truck all of a sudden we see the first geese we've seen all day right mike starts calling at him and <laughs> As soon as that first note hits them, these things turn on a dime. We don't have any decoys out. We got nothing. They're piled up in a kayak. We're just sitting in like trees. But these things are looking for where this sound. And he's like, grab the gun. I'm like, ah, it's fine. They're not going to get any. And all of a sudden, like, I can see him actually locked up, like, coming down. I'm like, oh, shit. So I'm scrambling to get the gun out of the case. I get the gun out of the case. Scrambling to get some shells out of the, the ammo box. By the time I finally slam one in there, they're already kind of over me going away i take a pot shot at him and i don't hit him uh mike says he he thought he heard my bb's like hit their wings or whatever but bounce off their feathers or something but i was we didn't get anything i was like oh my god if we'd actually had some decoys out because right where we're at there is a little where that lake is supposed to be there is a little bit of an opening right on the trail but nothing you would actually want to set up to hunt but man i think if you'd had one goose decoy out there those things would have came all the way down to it like it was crazy or if i just had a gun at the ready when they were straight up above me because they were they were tall but they weren't like they weren't like past snow goose range you know i would have been able i've, I've made that shot multiple times um would have had a really good chance of bringing down a goose right there it would have been hilarious the other funny part is that these guys that were coming down the trail they didn't even know we were standing there when i <laughs> When I shot at those geese, it scared the dog shit out of them. That was that was hilarious. So that was pretty funny when a conversation ensued after that. But and I put the gun back away and, and packed it up, um, and then just left. The thing I uh, came away with that hunting trip is, as much of a pain in the ass it is to get back in there, and I may never go back in there again, just because. You know, without some sort of major flooding back there to to open up some bigger water, just don't know that it really pays. Um, but I do love being way back in the middle of nowhere. Even though we were sweaty and sore, I had a blister on my left heel from walking to my waders, you know, three quarters of a mile or whatever the fuck it was. I was just in a great mood and hadn't really been in a good mood for a long time. And that was just like a really good reset for me. I don't know... If I worked out the negative energy, if it's just being back there is just so relaxing and peaceful, it's probably all of it, right? So I don't know that I'll ever go back into that spot, but I think it's time to start pouring over some satellite maps and finding a new pain-in-the-dick spot to get to. <laughs> I just, I love, they're, they're just, I think it scratches that wanderlust, it scratches that adventure itch, um... It's that, you know, uh, that's a big part of it anyways. And that was, that was just a lot of fun. So there we are. Um, we got some really good weather. It's going to turn colder here at the end of the week. I was really hoping to kind of get out and thought maybe even like try to book some hunts, but 
this is for the central zone where I'm at, this is the week it's shut down. Our waterfall season is shut down. That opens again Saturday. So I was like, damn it. So I might have to go hunt Wisconsin or something. Or the northern zone, but I just have to drive up there. Um, that's that's still open. That opens continuous until it closes. But down here where I'm at, it's, it's split seasons, and it's closed down right now. But we'll see. I'll figure out something to do for sure. So there's your uh, recap. Got you all caught up. And for my rant, I feel like I need to talk about this because if you've spent any time on social media and you follow uh, fishing, you are aware of the story. So there was two cheaters in a walleye tournament, a big walleye tournament on Lake Erie that got busted for putting weights in their fish. Like a lot of weights in their fish. They had eight pounds of lead weights in their fish. They had fish fillets in their guts and even like a hemostat or a pliers or something was like, what? Like, were you trying to get caught? Like, this doesn't even like, like, that's the thing that's been sticking out in my head. Like, obviously, it's bullshit move, right? The cheating of any kind should not be tolerated. It's just it's it's whatever. But my my analytical mind stops. and It's like they just got greedy. And so these guys, they were leading for uh, team of the year. Um, they'd already won like $300,000 in prizes. I don't know if that was a yearly total, if that was over the last few years. I'm not quite sure. They have been accused of of cheating before. They've passed some lie detector tests. They've failed some lie detector tests. Um, so, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I don't know if they just got greedy or if they thought that day it was going to take 30 pounds to win it and they only had low 20s or something so they just how much weight do we need to put in these fish to make it to make us get to 30 i don't know um but the problem being and i watched a few videos now it was this tournament director um he's like you know i weigh these fish i know what a fish should you know really i'm pretty good about guessing weights on fish because this is what he does right he weighs thousands of fish as a tournament director and that's the thing that stuck out to me. It's like I, you had eight pounds of weights, and that's mean you have over, well, not quite two pounds. You have over a pound in each fish extra weight. Like you're going to notice that, you know, like as they're putting fish on the scales, like even when I watched the weigh-in and, and, you know, they're going to weigh a big fish. You know, when you see him put it in there, and just even me, like I'm not even a big walleye fisherman or whatever, but I'm like, that looks like about, you know, a four, five-pound fish. And it comes up over seven. You're like, what? That's did not look like a seven-pound fish. Then they add the rest of the fish to it. And, the, you know, and, of course, tournament director is doing his job. He's building up the, okay, they need they need 24 or whatever to take the lead, blah, 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 blah. And we have 31 pounds and whatever ounces it was. It's like, holy shit. They're, and it's like, dude, there's no, and then they're all, they're holding up picture, your fish and they're taking pictures. And you're like, dude, those are not, that requires a six pound average. And those are not six pound fish. And you can just see it. You're like, something's not right. And so the tournament director, you know, he's there and, and he's like, I want to take a look at these fish. And he didn't really make a big deal out of it at first. And, He's like, oh, just hang around. He kind of played it cool. And then right away he could feel something hard in the gut of one of these fish. So he's like, somebody grab me a fillet knife. And someone gives him a fillet knife, and he cuts it open. Sure as shit, starts finding these big, giant, you know, one-pound egg sinkers. It's like, what the fuck? And, of course, 
the crowd goes nuts. Like the lynch mob is forming, right? Like they are losing their shit, and uh, rightly so. And they just so he cuts every belly of every fish, and more weights come out, and more weights come out. It's like unbelievable. Like it's just, and I know we've all heard the same outrage. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna try to give a different perspective on this. Um, not letting them off the hook by any stretch of imagination. Like they they deserve everything that's coming to them right now. Now the problem is like, I think top prize is like forty grand for this tournament. Like that's that's felony theft. Now they didn't technically get the check because they got caught before, you know, any checks were administered. But I don't know. There's still some fraud there. I believe Ohio game laws have something like if you're caught cheating in a fishing event, like you lose your license and a fine or something. So there, we'll see all what happens. And of course, they've already they were already accused of cheating in the past. So now everybody's like, how did they always cheat? You know, how many? But I don't think you're going to be able to go back and prove anything that they did before that they got away with, if you, if, you know, to say it. But it's not looking good for those guys. What I couldn't understand, one of the things, is that guy was standing there the whole time just taking the abuse from everybody with, like, a blank look on his face. And from a psychological point of view, I'm so curious. Like, I want to know what's going on in that guy's head. I know nobody probably wants to hear a single word from either one of those cats, but honest to God, that would be the people I'd like to have on the podcast to be like, walk me through why you thought this was a good idea. You know, what drew you to cheating? Was it the excitement of cheating? Like in that moment, why were you just standing there? Like I would have, if that would have been me, which for the record would never, ever be me. I don't cheat. Like, I just don't. Like, what's the point of winning a tournament? Unless you're just in it for the money. And, okay, I don't fish big enough tournaments for that. Like, <laughs> all my stuff is, you know, for points or it's small, it's small time. Like, but even, like, you have to look at yourself in the mirror. You know you didn't really win. It's, it's not like cheating is anything new, right? You know, people have been cheating in fishing tournaments since the, probably the very first tournament. But in that moment where he's standing there, like, why didn't he just walk away? Like, I was thinking, if, like, that was me, I would have been like, as soon as that guy grabbed a fillet knife, I would have been like, you got me, I'm busted, I'm out of here. <laughs> like, I'm not going to sit here and just take the abuse. Uh, I'm So I don't know if I'm supposed to, like, give him pseudo-kudos for standing there and kind of sort of owning up to it i don't know or he was in just in shock his buddy was gone like he was not in the video i don't know where he went but his fishing partner was not in any of those videos once they held the fish up and that was that 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 dude was he was out of here so i would like to know that and i just watched a video of the tournament director of him apologizing you know to the people to uh, the sponsors um you know, he has a lot of, he tries to make it family friendly and he, there was a lot of language. And I just want to say this to him. Uh, he'll probably never hear this, but he doesn't have anything to apologize. You know, yeah, he, he let one or two F-bombs fly, but in that situation, could you expect anything else from anybody? Like he really was able to pull it back and maintain some semblance to the point where he's like, I don't want anything to happen to these guys. You know, don't, attack these guys we don't need any physical violence like he did a really i thought did an exemplary job 
once the shit hit the fan of remaining very professional and, you know, just, I don't think he has anything to apologize for. Um, but I will say the fact that he took the time to make that video and, and to apologize in a place where he didn't have to apologize. And I don't know this guy from Adam, but I can tell you just from that, this is a stand-up dude. Like that, top marks to you, sir. Like you are put in a really tough spot. Um, I thought you handled, handled it very well. Um, I don't know that anybody else could have handled it any better. Like it, it was, it was a really good job. And I'm sure you're going to hear this on a lot of podcasts. This is going to be a subject matter for, for a while. And, you know, now you're kind of forcing their hand too, as tournament director, they got to find up different ways of, you know, they always do the lie detector test, but the fact that they've won some and lost some and whatever, um, you know, I don't know if they're going to need some sort of like x-ray they got to run big fish through an x-ray machine or something to see if there's any foreign objects in their bellies like they're gonna have to come up with something else at this point like now that this is on their radar you you just you know you got to go with it you know the dumbest thing is it's like and there wasn't anybody anywhere near 30 pounds in the field you know they didn't need to go that hard and i am not excusing this is not like how to cheat this is not like go cheat i am not being a proponent of cheating at all i want to be very clear on that i feel like if they even even using weights if they would have just stuck to half a pound of weight per fish you probably wouldn't notice that you know if you hold up a four pounder and it weighs at four and a half you're like oh it was a little thicker than i thought and that's where that's going to end so you put a half pound in each fish and you're going to for five you're weighing at two and a half extra pounds that's probably going to be enough to put you in first place on a tough day which it seemed to be they just got crazy greedy eight pounds it's like at that point why did you even throw the the fish fillets in there what is that it's a couple extra ounces like <laughs> i don't know maybe i like i want to know what was going on in the boat like what was the conversation like i feel like it had to be like oh it's going to take 30 pounds to win today and and maybe they always throw fillets in there, you know, and that's how they always just slightly edge people out. I don't know. But, and then that day they're just like, dude, an extra eight ounces ain't going to cut it. We need weight. Let's just start. But why do they have one pound legs? Like, when do you use, I'm not a walleye guy. Everybody listens to this show knows that. Is there a time where you use one pound egg sinker weights <laughs> for, to fish? Like, that's like a, that's like a saltwater thing. Like, that's just great. That's a downrigger for Christ's sake. Like, that's just, it, it's just insane to me. So those guys got uh, their life. Their life is fucked. Of course, all their sponsors dropped them as they should. Um, they're more than likely going to face some sort of criminal charges. Well, we'll have yet to see what's going to transpire of that. Um, and I don't have a ton, a ton of sympathy for them. Um, I don't have sympathy for them. I have a little bit of empathy, just like that kind of negative outrage publicly. I mean, and it, this thing, you want to talk about going viral, this thing blew up. You cannot open up any social media, whether it be Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I don't care what it is. Twitter, you're seeing that video of them cutting bellies open and that guy just standing there. So the only, I can't even really call it empathy, but it's just like, you can, like, what are the emotions flooding through that guy? Like... I do not envy that guy. <laughs> and that's as far as like my empathy, sympathy goes. It's like, I'm glad I'm not him, but I'll never be him. Because I, I wouldn't cheat like that. That is just, it's abhorrent, it's disgusting, it's cowardly. It's it's all the negative adjectives you can, you can think of and string together. It's 
terrible. So, there's your weekend recap and rant. Uh, thanks, everybody, for sticking with me, hanging in there. We will get back on track here in the near future. Um, keep the faith, my friends, and whatever your passion, pursue it full scale. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country. Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.